Welcome to the First Baptist Dallas Spring Training Program, our annual Spiritual Disciplines Challenge designed to help you grow in your faith. What are you waiting for? A disciple's journey starts now. Hello, everyone. We are back for the third installment of the Spring Training Weekly Check-In Podcast. I'm Ben LaVorne. I'm the executive pastor here at First Baptist Dallas. We're wrapping up week three in a disciple's journey. I hope that you've been enjoying this study and getting a lot out of it. This week, we are reading about the suffering, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But we also saw what huge mistakes Peter made in this process. In John 21, our reading for Friday, we got a chance to see how Christ restored Peter. And there's so much here that we can learn from and apply to our lives. So let's get into it. When you look at the arc of Peter's story, you see both how he failed and how Christ met him in his failure and restored him. And there are three parts to this. First, we see that Peter is on the path to failure through his overconfidence. He lacks awareness of his own weakness, and he also feels shame at first for being associated with a suffering Messiah. All of these contribute to his failure, his denial of Jesus Christ. Second, we will see the fallout of Peter's failure. He's broken over his sin. He lives in fear, and he even seems to think he has no future in following Jesus. And third, we see Peter's path to restoration. Christ meets with him and gives him the opportunity to rededicate his life to Jesus by publicly declaring his love. Christ also recommissions him into service, asking him once again, follow me. So we see how Peter failed, we see how it affected him, And then we see how Christ restored him and sent him out again. First, let's look at that path to failure. One of the things we see brewing in Peter before he stumbles is his overconfidence. And it's really overconfidence in his own strength. He didn't believe he could fail. He couldn't even imagine it. Peter had a love for his Lord that was clearly sincere and passionate. That's undeniable. But Peter couldn't see his own blind spots, and that's why he wouldn't listen to Christ's strong warnings. So just think of the Titanic, the ocean liner, so advanced for its time that someone was even rumored to have said not even God himself could sink this ship. And yet there was an iceberg that was too big for it to avoid as the crew unknowingly went straight toward danger at full speed. Overconfidence is dangerous. It can make us fail to be self-reflective or to take simple precautions. It can make us refuse to heed warnings. Overconfidence makes us vulnerable to stumbling off the path. You know, the Apostle Paul would later recognize in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 that he could only boast in his weakness and that Christ's power would work in him. One reason why Peter needed to be careful was because his flesh was weak. This isn't unique to Peter, it's true of all of us. When Jesus asked Peter to pray for just one hour, Peter was three times unable to keep his eyes open. We can hear the compassion in Christ's words when he explains Peter's predicament. He says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, Jesus did not 
doubt Peter's willingness to pray for him. He knew that Peter's love was sincere, but he also knew in a way that Peter failed, even refused to see just how weak our flesh is. Something as simple as fatigue or hunger can significantly affect our ability to connect with God, to do the spiritual disciplines, to fight sin. We need to recognize our limits and our weaknesses in order to keep from failing. The third element of Peter's failure was shame in being associated with the Lord. Peter had signed up to follow Jesus. Jesus had told Peter that following him meant taking up his cross. But as the cross drew closer, Peter began following at a distance. Then he denied even knowing Jesus at all. Three times Peter was asked if he knew Jesus, and three times he adamantly denied that he knew him. This was after three years of spending every moment together. You know, Peter had left everything to follow Jesus. He went all in. And now he was pretending and even swearing that he didn't know his Messiah. The shame and the fear of following an arrested Messiah, a Messiah headed to death row, it was more than Peter could handle. For a long time in our culture, it's been expected, even commended, to say that you follow Jesus. In a predominantly Christian culture, there's no shame in claiming the name of Jesus. But even just in the last decade or so, things have changed drastically in America. Now the Christian faith is often ridiculed. It can be construed as even a mark on your person or a source of suspicion. In many circles, Christian, is now associated with being narrow-minded or bigoted or unaccepting or old-fashioned. Throughout the history of our country, America has been primarily a Christian nation, but the shame of the cross has returned in our country. This leaves us facing a temptation similar to the one that Peter faced. Peter feared for his life, but we might fear for our status, our social acceptance, even our bank accounts. When it comes down to it, if being associated with Jesus could hurt your chances of getting a job or receiving a promotion, what would you do? If it meant losing a friend or being marginalized, what would you do? In Peter's case, it might have meant imprisonment or even death. But that sense of shame, that desire to withdraw, was what hit Peter and caused him to stumble. How will we fare when we're called to stand for Christ? Next, we see the fallout of Peter's failure. The fallout from this terrible day was swift and it was all-consuming. Peter's life was shattered. He immediately broke down into tears as he felt the full weight of what he had done. Just imagine how that would have felt. What do you think was going through his mind in the hours after? Do you think he would have been able to sleep that night? He must have replayed the last three years in his mind, remembering all that he had given up to follow Christ and all that he'd seen and experienced. He must have remembered how far he'd come, only to reach what seemed like a dead end as he crashed and burned at the most crucial moment. It also seems possible that Peter was afraid. When Jesus first appeared to the disciples in John chapter 20, they were huddled together in a locked room, and that was probably to keep out the authorities who may have wanted to arrest them as Jesus' co-conspirators. But try to put yourself in Peter's shoes and imagine how he might have felt when he first heard the report that Jesus was resurrected. Of course, he was excited that his Savior had risen from the dead, but he may also have been a little afraid. 
It seems he thought he had permanently forfeited his spot on Christ's team. So for many reasons, sin and failure can lead to fear. Fear of consequences of our actions, fear of being found out, fear of what this will mean for our future. And we get a hint about Peter's mindset in John 21. At this point, Peter knew that Jesus had been raised from the dead. Peter declares to the other disciples that he's going to go fishing. It's possible that Peter just wanted to get some dinner for himself or for the group, but it seems likely he was going back to his old livelihood. He was reverting back to the job he'd had before he knew Christ. Being a disciple hadn't worked out, so maybe Peter was activating his fallback plan. Jesus was resurrected, and Peter had already seen him twice, according to John. But what did that have to do with him now? That path had been closed. He had already blown it. Again, this is just speculation, but it seems like that could have been Peter's mindset at the time. And we probably have moments like this, too. We make a big mistake. We think our lives and our ministries must be over. And yes, there are consequences to sin, but it never means that our lives are over. God can always find new ways to use us for his kingdom and for his glory. So finally, let's look at the path to restoration. As John 21 continues, we see the plans Christ had for Peter. Peter had stumbled off the path, but Christ opened up a path to restoration. Remember that Peter had denied Jesus three separate times in the Gospel of Mark. So when Jesus speaks to him in the presence of other disciples, it's significant that Jesus asks him, do you love me, three times. He gives Peter three opportunities to publicly reaffirm his love for his Lord. Now this isn't torture, it's not meant to be a test, it's a chance for Peter to be publicly reinstated. Just as he had failed three times, here he succeeds three times. Now that Peter had rededicated his life to the Lord, he could forget what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead, the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You may have heard pastors or other Christians speak about the concept of rededication. And there may be a time, even times in your life, that the Lord leads you to rededicate, to recommit your life to Him. Sometimes we stray from following Christ closely. Often, if we make one mistake, it can become easier to make more mistakes. Or if we miss several Sundays in a row at church, it can become easier to drift away entirely. Before we know it, we can hardly recognize ourselves, and our lives are a mess. If that's where you are, you don't have to stay there. You can always come back to Christ. You can rededicate your life to Him you can renew your commitment to following him. Jesus makes it a point after each response from Peter to reiterate Peter's job in the church going forward. He's supposed to feed and tend to the flock of God, the church. Peter's ministry wasn't done, not at all. In fact, the work was just about to begin, as we'll see next week when we read the first five chapters of the book of Acts. It's not uncommon for those who recognize God's amazing grace in their own lives to become some of his most zealous followers. And Peter would have a remarkably fruitful life for the kingdom of God. Jesus told Peter he would imitate his Lord even unto death, being crucified himself. And then Jesus repeated the first two words he had ever said to Peter, follow me. Not only was Peter restored, but now he was recommissioned to a life of service to Christ. 
No mistake that we make can thwart the plans of God. When you think about the incredible things that God did through Peter, you should also remember this dark night of the soul that Peter went through. The suffering and the death of Christ was a crucible, not just for Christ, but also for his followers. It brought out the worst in them. Think about Judas Iscariot. He made the greatest mistake of his life by betraying Christ. But the outcome was completely different than Peter's. There's a distinction in 2 Corinthians 7 that helps explain this difference. Paul says that godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Judas's remorse and brokenness were worldly grief, and they led to despair and death. Peter's sobs of remorse came from godly grief. They led to repentance, rededication, restoration, and ministry without fear or regret. The two kinds of grief look similar for a moment, but the outcomes cannot be further apart. Have you had an experience in your life that caused you grief? Or are you experiencing grief right now over mistakes you've made or sinful patterns that have thrown your discipleship journey off track? Well, it's not too late. God could be working in you, producing godly grief. This can lead to repentance, restoration, and a life lived without fear and without regret. God can still use you, just like he used Peter. Praise the Lord for his amazing grace for sinners like us. This has been week three of A Disciple's Journey, and I hope you'll join me next week to talk about the fuel that powered Peter throughout his ministry, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit.